You're listening to the Tepis Paranormal Talking Point Podcast, a show that discusses various aspects of the paranormal world, with paranormal news, ghost stories, interviews, and much more. And without further ado, let's get into some talking points. Hi guys, Scott here from Tepis Paranormal, and welcome back to another episode of the Tepis Paranormal Talking Point Podcast. So you may remember back in episode 3 of the Talking Point podcast, I looked at a number of haunted dolls from around the world. One of those dolls was Robert the Doll. Today I've had the opportunity to sit down with David L. Sloan, who's Robert's doll tender. We got the chance to talk about how David got interested in the paranormal, some of his experiences, how he first met Robert, what Robert's known for, and more. So without any further delay, let's get straight into the interview with David L. Sloan. So thank you so much for joining me, David. It's great to be here. Um, if you could start by telling us just a little bit about yourself, give us a bit of an introduction. Yeah, uh, I live in Key West, Florida, and I uh, operate ghost tours there. And um, uh, fortunately, I get to work with the world's most haunted doll, Robert the Haunted Doll. Um, and the way I came about that, I feel very fortunate. I don't feel like that was my decision. It was a series of events that led up to that. And I was born in Pennsylvania. Um, I had a kindergarten teacher who used to tell us about her ghost. So every morning she started class and she'd say, uh, you know, I've got this Native American spirit and it lived behind her walls. It would throw her cat down the stairs. It didn't like her husband. So She'd tell us these stories, and you got to think, as a little kid, hearing these every day, you're thinking, wow. And she told us, one day, the last day of class, I'm going to bring in a photograph of the ghost. And on the last day she did, she brought in a slide photograph, and you could see the spirit uh, behind a flower pot. And so I was interested in ghosts from a very young age. Um, my, uh, my great aunt had a haunted hotel that my great-grandfather was supposed to haunt. He was the first actual spirit that I saw. I saw his uh, apparition up in the window. So I believed for a long time. And then I was in Scotland uh, and uh, my girlfriend and I were looking for a bookstore and I saw a sign that said uh, ghost tour tonight. And there weren't really any ghost tours in the United States. and so I thought, oh, what's this? I've got to check this out. And I went on the ghost tour. You know, they took you to the underground vaults. Uh, and the, one of the guys on the tour, he was wearing a backpack. He was towards the back of the group. And he started saying, whoa, whoa. Stuff started flying out of his backpack. And our guide there was so good. I said, that's what I want to do. And I was managing cruise ships at the time. And so I quit my corporate job and I moved to Key West and started ghost tours. And that was 1996. So it's been about 25 years that I've been doing that. Cool. Um, so obviously you touched on it there briefly, but uh, what are your um, paranormal beliefs? You know, what do you specifically believe in? My beliefs change over time. You know, um, I certainly believe in spirits and I've had some interactions that I can't explain any other way. Uh, but I've also hit points where things have gotten so bad because of uh, either from not protecting myself or getting too close to the spirit world, where things start getting so bad that I have to convince myself that there's no such thing. Um, but even if I'm at that stage, I can't explain the things that happened in the past. So I think it's, I think it's really fluid. I think I think beliefs can be fluid. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we almost tune in to the spirit world. We're like a radio dial and we can change our frequencies. So sometimes we'll be more susceptible to the paranormal than other times. Um, but so right now, uh, I mean, I've got no doubt. Um, there's a lot of stuff happening. I'm away from Key West this week, but when I get back there, things keep getting stronger and stronger every night that I'm in the fort and around them and things keep happening. And it, it's almost like it gets to a height. Obviously the fort is where Robert is kept. Sort of yeah. There. Fort Martello Museum. It's a great old civil war fort. Um, and it was built by the union. Um, even though Key West is in the South, 
Um, it was it was a part of part of the North during the Civil War. Um, and interesting thing, I recently found out that my great 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 grandfather's Civil War regiment helped to construct the fort. And he was from Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania 47th Volunteers. So it is almost like you were destined to end up there. I think so. And I always thought that kind of like one of my missions in life was to find out the truth about Robert the doll, Mm -hmm. because there was so much misinformation out there. And he was looked at as this evil spirit, but there's an innocent spirit involved there as well. And I thought that was kind of why I was here was to help nurture the innocent spirit. Uh, But then a few years ago, when I found out the family connection, I thought, oh, wow, this doll has been here to to put me in in a connection with the Mm -hmm. first David L. Sloan. I mean, it's the guy I'm named after. So it was still gives me chills. Yeah, that is, it's either a very, very unlikely coincidence or, you know, it is that you say it was destined to happen. Yeah. Um, So what would you say are some of your favorite elements of the paranormal? Do you have any sort of specific favorites? I do. So what I like doing, people will have different labels. They'll say a paranormal investigator or ghost hunter. I consider myself more of a ghost hunter because um, I'm not really interested in proving their existence to anybody. Um, I want to get out there and be around them and experience them. You know, mm-hmm. I don't care about documenting it. I don't care about recording it. Uh, I want to be there and experience it. And when I can, you know, with the tours, I love taking people into the environment and creating the environment where they can have an encounter too. So, uh, so that's what gives me the thrill is when you're alone or even with other people in a dark, creepy place trying to communicate with the spirits and something happens where there's no doubt where you're like, whoa, what was that? Cool. Um, and obviously you mentioned the tours a few times now. So you started doing those, as you said, in uh, 1996. Yeah. Um, as a part of that, I know you did quite a bit of research uh, into obviously paranormal things around Key West. Um, and I believe that's what led to you meeting Robert the Doll. Yeah. So I start when I decided to start the ghost tour. Um, nobody was talking about ghosts in Key West. And uh, it got to a point where, I mean, I'd been to the library and found nothing. And it got to the point where I was going to the bars and I'd tip the bartender well and I'd say, I hear this is the haunted bar. And in pretty much every bar, they're like, no, no, I haven't heard of any ghosts. And, you know, the belief in spirits can um, increase or decrease. And a lot of times, you know, like after wars or plagues, it'll, it'll peak. But, but nobody was really interested in them at the time. I was about to leave town because I couldn't find anything. And as I was leaving, I got lost. And I was in a horrible mood because I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. And somebody appeared in the seat next to me in the car. And I didn't know who it was. Now, I think it might have been my great, great, great grandfather. But they said to me, they said, go back to the library. And I turned to them. I said, I don't know where the library is. And I looked up and there was a sign and it said library parking only. So I pulled into the spot and I went back to the Florida history section, which I'd been to before, but there was never anybody in there. Um, This time the historian was there. And I asked him, I said, I said, hey, I'm looking for a book on ghosts of Key West. And he said, there are none. I said, "Okay, thanks. And I'm about to leave. And he said, wait, wait, wait. He said, no books, but we've got ghosts. And he goes into this walk in vault and comes back out with a file about an inch thick full of newspaper clippings from the last 30 years about all the hauntings in Key West. So I marked those out on a map and started knocking on doors. And there was a little clipping and it talked about the ghost of Ann Otto. So I go to the place where Ann Otto lived, talk, it was a bed and breakfast at the time. And I tell the owner, Daryl, I said, hey, I'm looking, um, I'm looking to talk to you about your ghost. He said, oh, you want to hear about Robert? I said, no, I want to hear about Ann. He said, no, you want to hear about Robert. And he goes into this 
insane story about a doll with a curse uh, that that moves and that's terrorized Key West for a hundred years. And I think this is insane. Uh, and then he says, do you want to see the attic room where he used to live? And as soon as he said that, the phone flew off the hook, old school phone. The cord extends, it snaps back. I kind of look at it and jump a little bit. He's like, he's like, yeah, he wants to see you. And we start to go up the stairs. Before we get to the staircase, there's a, a bookshelf or a bookcase. And the door to the bookcase opened up after he passed it and kind of like stopped me from going. I closed it. It closed pretty easily. And then we go up the stairs. And when we get into this attic, uh, it was a section of the attic. It, it had been separated from the rest of it. And it was still furnished with the furniture that Gene Otto had put in there for Robert. So there were little chairs, there were little tables, and it looked like it looked like a little kid's tea party was about to take place. And Robert wasn't there anymore, but I'm looking at it, and then suddenly the energy changed. You felt everything change. And uh, I thought I was gonna throw up if I didn't get out of there. So I thanked Daryl for his time um, he walked me downstairs and I asked him where to see Robert. And that's when he told me that he was at the museum, but not on display. Um, you know, everybody wasn't talking about Robert back then. He mm -hmm. was, he had donated to the museum, but they just kept him in a back room covered with a sheet. Um, so I go up there. Uh, I, the first few times I called, nobody wanted to show him. Nobody wanted to have to deal with the doll. And I finally got the curator and she brought him out. And she was cradling him like a baby. And she's like, Robert, this is David. He's going to take some photographs of you. And again, I thought, oh, my God, she's crazy. And then I started photographing the doll. Nothing, nothing to him. I, I thought, no way, this is haunted. Great story. And then I went to reach for his hat to take his hat off his head, his little sailor hat. And boom, he came alive. And the doll changed his expression changed i could tell that i wasn't alone in the room anymore he did not want me touching his hat i had I'd just taken it off his head when all this happened and then i tried to get the camera to take a picture to show the difference mm -hmm. camera won't work tried three shots nothing i set it down boom 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 the three shots fire off i pick it back up it wouldn't work again set it down boom it goes off again when i pick it up the third time you could feel the spirit leave the room and it was almost like it was giggling and that's when i thought oh i've got to get to the bottom of this mm -hmm. okay so obviously in your book uh robert the doll key west haunted doll uh which i have read sort of all the way through um obviously you talk about quite a bit of how you know camera equipment and things like that do tend to fail uh, around robert is that a very common occurrence yeah a lot you know it used to be anything that was battery operated mm -hmm. it used to be mainly cell phones and pacemakers i'm sorry not cell phones cameras and pacemakers yeah. this is all pre-cell phone um so people were having tons of camera malfunctions um, they put up a warning sign for a while saying, if you have a pacemaker, uh, be careful around Robert. Um, but then with the cameras failing, it went beyond just battery issues. Uh, people would get home and they'd get their film developed and only the photographs of Robert the doll would turn out. There was a guy, he had a photo developing place in Key West. He started asking people if they had been to the museum once Robert was on display, because if they had a picture of the doll, his equipment would jam. It would like stop on the photograph of Robert and just keep printing Robert, 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 Robert. So there were a lot of things like that. And, you know, this led to one of the legends about Robert that you're supposed to ask permission mm -hmm. to take a photo or he's going to curse you. That's actually a horrible idea to ask permission. Um, the way it came about was there were all these camera problems. So uh, a human said, Oh, he's messing with a lot of cameras. He must not like his picture being taken. Then somebody else along the way said, well, I guess we better ask his permission then. 
And then here we are 25 years later and it's, you better ask permission or you're going to die. Mm -hmm. uh, but the truth is you only have to be respectful to Robert. And if you think about, about it, if you think you're supposed to ask permission for a photo and you don't, that's the disrespect. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, obviously, the misinformation that you mentioned, that's one example of things that, I guess, are out there and things that people hear about Robert that obviously aren't necessarily true. Uh, some others that I've got written down here are that his hair is actually human hair. Apparently right. that, I've, I've seen that one online previously, um, and I'm guessing that isn't the case. That's not true. Um, he, he's actually, I mean, he's constructed with felt, and then uh, he was made by the Steiff Company in Germany. So his hair is, is mohair. Um, and I think, I think they said it was human hair because uh, it, it changed, you know, after being in sunlight and stuff, it starts to age and looks mm -hmm. a different color. That makes sense. Um, and another one is that he is the inspiration behind Chucky. Yeah, and that's total nonsense. You know, with any haunted doll out there, with Robert being the original haunted doll, uh, you know, people can say that he inspired a lot of them because a lot of the haunted dolls have similar characteristics. But in interviews with the creator of Chucky, um, he clearly says that it was inspired by the My Buddy doll and blatant consumerism. Um, and, you know, and when he did the Child's Play series, uh, Robert wasn't even on the radar yeah. of most of the world. You know, he was still Key West's haunted doll. Mm -hmm. And stories about him around here had gone gone on since, you know, since at least the 1950s. But, um, uh, yeah, ind independent haunted dolls. Yeah. Um, so, obviously, the history of uh, Robert, he belonged to Gene Otto, um there's a few theories about where he came from as i understand it in that he's potentially a gift from a loving servant uh potentially a gift from a non-loving servant more that's i think more the voodoo approach sort of cursed voodoo doll kind of uh theory behind it and then there's the idea that it came from or the slightly less uh, known story that it came from Otto's grandfather right so um, we can rule out Otto's grandfather right away because uh, he was dead by the time the doll originated and the story about the nanny you know all of the early reports that you'll find like in the newspapers say it was a gift from a servant or a gift from a nanny uh, and so that's where those originate from. When I was researching the doll, though, I was able to find out that he was made by the Steiff Company in Germany. And the little boy, Gene, uh, his last name is Otto. His grandfather emigrated from Prussia. So, so there's the German connection. And in family documents that I was able to uncover, the, they talk about how the family used to return to Germany and they'd exchange gifts with family there. So uh, with the Stife company, their signature is the button in the ear. Mm -hmm. That's how you identify them as a Stife. Um, Robert's ear had been torn off. You know, any doll that's loved and carried around a lot, you know, kids grab it by the ear and say, come on, you're coming with me. Uh, so he didn't have that, which is why nobody was able to identify him um, in, until, I guess it was about eight, eight years ago or so that, that I made the connection. Mm -hmm. um, but so he's definitely a Stife, 100%. But I was also able to find a connection to a servant or a nanny. And that's what I love about legends. You know, they've got that nugget of truth. And I'm a historian as well. So I like going through the real history, but the legends help us uncover what that real history is. Okay. So obviously with the uh, servant or nanny, there is another theory that... Um, Jean's father, Thomas, may have had an affair with a nanny, Emmeline, I believe. Yeah, Emmeline Abbott. So what we know about Emmeline, um, she was a servant for the Otto family, and she was a nanny to Eugene. Uh, now, there's documents talking about Jean's father, 
um, where where he was quite the ladies' man. Um, he was sought after, and it doesn't seem that he was all that faithful. So that is one of the possibilities: is that uh, you know it's not out of the question um, that that he could have had an affair with her. Um, the interesting thing that I uncovered. Okay, so Emmeline uh, in 1924, I believe it is. I found a uh, that she filed a lawsuit against the estate of Dr. Thomas Otto. So this means he died, then she then she sued his estate. Um, were the records of exactly what happened have not been uncovered. They they've probably been destroyed. Um, but that makes her the angry nanny. Okay, makes her the angry servant as well. Mm -hmm. um, what the other thing I discovered is that in 1900. Uh, she shows no children in the census records. But in 1910, she shows no children living, one child deceased. So that means that in that 10-year period, when Robert the doll arrived, she lost a kid. And when she lost her kid, she would have gone to the doctor that she worked for. And yeah, maybe it was his kid as well. Even if it wasn't, she would have gone there to the Otto family home where his practice was in the first room. And uh, I believe that her child died in that room and that Robert the doll was in there and the child's spirit entered Robert the doll. Okay. Um, we had a really good uh, psychic visit the fort last year, uh, Cindy Kaza. And she was she picked up on so much stuff at the house and she was in tune with um, with Emmeline losing a child. But she said that Emmeline didn't curse the doll she blamed the doctor for her child dying and so she sought out a voodoo practitioner in key west to, to curse the family mm -hmm. and that this uh that this practitioner opened up a portal within the doll okay and that so what we're dealing with is not just the child spirit but you're dealing with a lot of spirits multiple entities yeah, I think that makes sense based on some of the things that you read, you know, stories and things that occur with the doll, where there do seem to be almost multiple, not multiple personalities, but multiple different entities sort of attached to Robert. Um, because you, obviously you read, and obviously you'd know a lot more about it actually being around Robert. Um, but... I've read quite a few sort of things of sometimes there's a very innocent, very sweet sort of spirit. Other times there's a, a slightly more joking and pranksterish spirit and that sort of thing. Yeah. And, and kids will always pick up on the child spirit, especially children with autism. Uh, you know, they come in there, you get the adults who come in who look at Robert as something evil, but you get these kids and they'll be like, Oh, I love Robert. Robert's nice. So so they, so it's very different with that. Uh, and I found the same thing, you know, I used to, when I looked at Robert as a single entity and after I uncovered all this information and started working on the book, I thought Robert would be happy that the truth was out there, that he's not this evil doll, but I started getting attacked on a regular basis and I couldn't figure out why it was happening. But when you realize that there's multiple entities, it makes total sense because those dark ones feed off of this energy that's coming to the fort of people looking for an evil doll. And that's, that's their food. That's their dinner. Um, so that's why they don't want the information out there about the child. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, when you say you were obviously attacked there, could you elaborate a little bit on that? So what sort of, I guess, what sort of things the doll is known to do or the entities around the doll are known to do? Sure. So um, this was started happening to me in my home. And I'd been in when I was writing the book, uh, you know, I, I listened to the legends about asking permission. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, Robert, I'm going to write a book. Could I, you know, ask permission? And then uh, first it started with lights flickering, uh, minor things. You could sense a presence around you. Um, my computer would start freezing up at a certain point, like right when I was talking about that child and some other things involved there. Um, uh, my computer would freeze up. It would crash. I lost three, I forget if it's three or four hard drives, um, where everything else I was able to recover, except 
for the book about Robert the doll. Uh, and then I started having strange things happen with energy, uh, you know, like electricity. I'd touch a doorknob and it wasn't a static shock. I'd get a strong vault of energy through my arm. Um, I had my hand outside of the car when I was driving, kind of, you know, tapping the side of it to the music. I had the most intense electrical shock go through it, almost dislocated my shoulder. And then you could feel this dark presence. It almost felt like if you picture like a, a pizza dough, like a gray pizza dough, and it felt like that was on my head and sinking into my head and something was trying to take over. I started having dual thoughts. I could tell which thoughts were mine and which ones weren't at first. And I mean, it, it was terrifying. Um, I was walking my dog and there's this huge palm frond. And I mean, these things in Key West, they can be like 15, 20 feet long. And it had been raining, so it was wet. And we're standing there, I'm walking the dog. This thing picks up in the air, about five or six feet in the air, charges towards us, and then drops right at my feet and stops. The dog shoots back behind me. Um, I go back, the thing picks up a second time and comes at us and does it again. And the dog's looking at it like growling, freaking out. Um, so things like that were going on. And then as the thing started taking over my thoughts, um, I started going and trying to sleep at the church. Um, it still kept attacking me. Uh, it got worse and worse and worse. And then the way that it kind of culminated was I got yanked out of bed one night. And there's things that make you feel like that's happening. You know, there's old hag, there's sleep paralysis. So I don't, it wasn't frightening. It happens and I, I'm trying to figure out what's going on. My wife hears me scream and she's like, what's wrong? And I told her, I said, I'm falling out of bed. She said, okay, we'll get back in. And she goes back to sleep. And I said, I can't, I'm still falling because I'm reaching below me and there's nothing. So uh, when I realized that, and then I look up and I could see the ceiling fan just a couple of feet from me. And I said, oh, God, help me. And when I said that, I dropped. And I wasn't over my bed. I was a couple of feet, about probably about five or six feet to the left of it. And I hit hard. Um, tile floor. I landed. I, I'm like, oh my God. And so I got, I grabbed my computer and I went on Facebook and I said, uh, I'm dealing with an entity I can't handle. I desperately need help. Please do not comment if you can't help. And somebody put me in touch with a local Santeria priest in Key West. And they came over, they went through the house and they couldn't pick up on anything. Uh, and then they got to the bedroom and he goes, he goes, oh, here it is. I can't deal with this on my own. So he brought several members of his Santeria family from Miami down to Key West. And they didn't charge anything to do this, but they did a Misa Spiritual, Spirit Mass. Uh, and it was it was the probably one of the most beautiful things I've seen. We communed with spirits for five or six hours. Um, spirits came for everybody who was participating. Um, and I was able to see them. And then uh, they introduced me to my spirit guides and they removed the spirits that were in me. They said that there, it wasn't one spirit. I had dozens and dozens of spirits that were attacking me. And what had happened was every time that I had been up there asking permission from Robert, I was inviting new ones in. Um, so they got rid of them they, and then they assigned a spirit guide, uh, through Santeria, where she's almost like a door lady, where uh, she'll kind of stop these other spirits from trying to get to me. Yeah, so obviously that very much leans into the multiple entities um, in and around the doll, or the doll being a gateway or a portal to some description. What was it? So obviously you said you could see some of the entities. Mm -hmm. What was that like? Well, with the entities that we saw, it was the ones that were coming in uh, to help us. So it was like the different spirit guides. And the the person who was leading the Misa, uh, as the spirits arrived, she would describe them so that the other people there might know who it was and who it was for. 
and I was able to see them very clearly. Like the first one that appeared, I, I brought one of my friends um, to watch me because I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't, you know, I was new to everything with Santeria. So I'm like, can you please come watch me just to, to let me know what's happening? And the first spirit that appeared was his brother who had committed suicide. And the lady starts describing him and I can see him right there. And I was angry. And so my friend Greg, his eyes just get really wide as she's describing him. And but he couldn't see him. And she's like, Does anybody know who this is for? And nobody's saying anything. And then Greg's kind of like just looking down. I'm like, it's for him. And I was, I mean, I really thought, you know, why are they here for him? They're hijacking my Misa. Um, and it turned out later on that uh, they told me, they said, they said he needed this even more than you. So each person had their spirits come down and talk, which was something I didn't understand. And then some of my spirit guides, you know, my grandfather was there uh, and she was describing him and, uh, you know, describing uh, the, uh, the injury to his knee. And I'm seeing him standing there and he's kind of smiling, looking at me. Um, my uh, one of my aunts was there. So there were several. One of the weirdest ones. Um, uh, I would have had a, a brother. Um, he uh, my mom miscarried. Uh, and this was a couple of years before I was born. Mm -hmm. And there was a little boy who came in and he looked he looked just like my uncle. And. So when she, when the person leading the Misa says, does anybody know who this is? I said, could it be someone older appearing younger? And he shakes his head, no. And I said, could it be someone younger? And he started nodding. And the, the lady running the Misa, she goes, yes, it's your, it's your brother. And then she talked about some things about him. So it was, it was very powerful. Uh, and then... I don't know exactly what they used, but I remember they had a sunflower that they put on my head. And as they did this, uh, I kind of like, I, I kind of went into, a, I don't know, it was like I passed out. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think I was just down for a few minutes, but when I woke back up, I felt like a newborn baby. Uh, I mean, it, it, it felt, I didn't realize how much it attached to me. Yeah. Like like a complete weight was lifted. Yep. Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah, that obviously, like you said, that is a very surreal sounding experience. So I guess to actually experience that yourself must have been life changing, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it opened up all these possibilities. And I started studying Santeria, practicing Santeria after that, because I felt like I owed it. Mm -hmm. Um to to the religion uh because i mean it it really saved me i i don't know what would have happened if if those things had stayed with me i probably would not be here right now yep okay um so obviously from reading online i found that there is at least one death that's sort of attributed to robert there's been a lot of deaths attributed to robert um you know a, a it's interesting because he's received close to 10,000 letters uh, and a lot of them will talk about common themes, people being struck by lightning, uh, people uh, like dead deer, dead deer playing to things a lot. And then some people will talk about deaths as well. Uh, and there, it's more than one. Uh, we'll talk to people at the fort regularly and, you know, a few times a year we'll get somebody who comes in and says, listen, my friend disrespected Robert and, Boom. There were uh, one of the more recent, there were some uh, servicemen, I, I forget which branch of the military they were in, uh, but they went to, I think they were in Afghanistan, and there had been three of them. They were all really tight. They'd been to see Russell. I don't think Robert likes that. <laughs> um, they, they had a uh, Anyway, the one who was disrespectful to Robert didn't make it back. And when you hear these, I mean, these are very sad. They're very tragic when when you when you hear about the deaths and you read some of these letters and some of them are heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you get some people who, you know, bad things can happen to people. Yeah. So 
I think some people attribute it to Robert, but hey, bad things happen in life. But you read some of these things where it's just a complete turn of how their life is. And it's not one thing that goes wrong. It can be 20 things. Yeah, I know in, again, in your book, uh, I know one of them was somebody took some pictures of Robert and then it's like their marriage failed. They went bankrupt. They lost their job all within like the span of a couple of months. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. that is a, it's a lot to happen suddenly, almost, you know, directly after, like to the extent they can almost point it down to a specific point in their life of meeting uh, Robert. Yeah. And a lot of people, when they do apologize, um, we don't always get to hear the follow-up, but a lot of people who come to Key West every year, uh, I've talked to kind of probably I've talked to more than a hundred who have said they apologized and then things immediately got better. Yeah, that is really strange. Just, I mean, obviously the apology, the writing an apology to a doll feels odd on its own, but yeah. you know, it's sort of, in my head, it makes me think the first person that wrote one must have been at that point where they had nothing left to try. Because yeah. it wouldn't be, you know, it wouldn't be the first thing you'd think of to try, especially if there was no previous established, you know. Exactly. Like, exactly. like now, yeah. I think it makes sense because, you know, if you've met the doll and then things go bad, there's that pre-established thing of you need to write an apology. But if you're yeah. the first person to do it, it is just a trying every avenue because things have gone that wrong for you. Yeah, and you you think about it, it like when I got yanked out of bed, uh, I went on Facebook and just put out a plea. It's like, it's like I don't know what to do. I need help. And be, before social media, uh, it would have been the same thing. Uh, you know, like that, that's that's kind of like the equivalent of putting a plea out to anybody who would listen. It's like yeah. somebody help me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that, so the curse, like you say, the curse is very strange in general. Um, but the fact that it does seem to affect so many people, you know, that encounter or disrespect the doll, or disrespect Robert, just feels yeah. weird. Yeah. And, you know, the way it was described to me by, by a, uh, someone who was very intuitive and who spent a lot of time with Robert, um, she said, you've got the little child there and when someone is disrespectful to the child it hurts the child's feelings and it's almost like they have this sticky tar on their fingers and they're tagging the people who are disrespectful so they leave the mark on them and then that's when the other ones step out of the portal and there's been several psychics several non-psychics who have taken photos capturing these large like eight foot tall dark shadows uh, and those are supposed to be the two main spirits around there and uh, the two main protectors of the, the child. So when the child identifies someone disrespectful, they step out and they latch on and they follow people home and they wreak havoc on their lives. And they're the ones that make them lose their job, mm -hmm. that cause their health issues, that cause the accidents that they have. Um, and that also explains why so many people can be cursed by Robert at the same time in all reaches of the world. I because, mean, his curse yeah. spans the world. And when you realize multiple entities, and it's not just those two, you know, if they're, they'll, they'll return after their work is done um, or when somebody apologizes, but it's as if, I mean, there's an unlimited number of spirits mm -hmm. and they're waiting to protect this child and seek vengeance on people who are disrespectful to it. Yeah, again, that's just crazy to actually think about, but obviously it does seem to happen. Uh, it, that very much seems to be the case, in that yeah. it is almost like a, it just sends out almost like a hit squad to anyone that offends or upsets or disrespects the, I guess, the child spirit associated with the doll. Yeah, and you, you, know, you can write off a lot. Of, I mean, okay, he gets a few apology letters, you can write it off. You know, I mean, some of them aren't going to be really caused by Robert. But when you have 10,000 yeah. letters, when you have hundreds of people who talk about how the apology worked, I mean, it's it's too much to be a coincidence. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely think that's 
it it definitely sounds very convincing you know obviously without having actually experienced any of it myself it's one of those things of taking other people's uh, word for it but it is definitely one of the more compelling um stories you hear of a you know haunted object and just generally all the interaction people have with it yeah and and watch i mean uh, uh, a lot of times with uh, with podcasts or if if some of the different tv shows are down filming uh, robert will make his mark known with with weird uh, technical difficulties mm-hmm. i'm not talking the usual things that happen but there there can be strange voices that come over with the different podcasts a lot of people pick up evps from different uh, from different stories about robert the doll uh, and then sometimes entire segments are lost. Yeah, I know. I've seen a few sort of investigative teams uh, investigate Robert and the surrounding sort of, you know, obviously the the rest of the fort. Um, and it is, there is some very odd stuff captured. Yeah, it, it's, uh, you know, with the tours, we do a VIP where people get to... Uh, hunt ghosts on their own mm-hmm. after the guide portion of the tour. So we let them loose. We turn off the lights. We provide all the different ghost hunting equipment. And every single night we're having people capture some very fascinating things. Um, I mean, last week, somebody, somebody picked up on a man uh, who says, bonjour. So someone is speaking French at the fort and Gene Otto. Yeah, um, of course. Yeah. And, and um, I think, what, 10 or 15 years living in France. Yeah, living and so studying art in Paris, yeah. There. Somebody picked up on a little girl talking, which ties in with, we believe the spirit of Robert the Doll is a little girl. There's been some interesting photographs capturing um, what looks like a little Bahamian girl mm-hmm. in the silhouette standing behind the doll. Um, there, There's a crazy video where there's a dark shadow that appears and pitches an orb towards the group sitting around Robert. Um, people getting burned with their crosses. Mm-hmm. It's... Yeah, so I think one of the sort of investigative groups I've watched there is Sam and Colby. I think they yeah. investigated. And I know that sort of that entire video was almost start to end. It was just weird thing after weird thing. Yeah, and and uh, I mean, when he got sick, that was legit. He was down in the yellow fever tunnel and, and had to run outside uh, because it got so intense. Mm-hmm. And the fort, it has that. Because Robert's not the only one there. You know, it, it used to be a yellow fever hospital during the Civil War. Uh, so there was a lot of death from disease. And there's a lot of artifacts in there that have spirit attachments that um, some of some of them from Key West when it was a museum that just had the, the you know the Native American spirits. The whole fort's built on top of an old Native burial ground. Um, so there's so many levels of what's happening there. Um, a lot of people believe that the old uh, powder batteries where they'd store the the gunpowder for the cannons, they've got these incredible domed ceilings to to control blasts. But uh, there's four of them, and each of them is an area where the spirit activity seems to emanate from. So uh, they believe that those are portals that connect mm-hmm. to the spirit world in some way. And it's, it's, it's stuff, it's stuff that sounds insane. Yeah. It, it's one of those things of when you're, I guess when you're in the paranormal sort of community, it's those things that you go, that makes sense. That sounds like other things I've heard, you know, cause it is, it's very, Things like that are very common, but in very different places around the world. And it's always similar things like, you know, forts and things like that always seem to have very similar paranormal occurrences. And it's like, they can't all be, you know, and in most cases they go back hundreds of years um, before times where people could just openly talk about them. And Mm -hmm. it's always similar activity and entities in them so it's like you know a fort over here in the uk and a fort over there would probably have very similar uh paranormal activity within them even though you know they're massive distances apart mm-hmm. yeah and they're they're you know such emotionally charged places yeah. so I, I think i think that's very conducive to the spirits sticking around yeah um, so obviously we've said that, or you said earlier on that Robert is the most haunted doll in the world. 
That's you, what they say. Yeah. What are your thoughts on other haunted dolls, you know, your Annabelles and things like that? I have different thoughts. You know, when you say when you say Robert's the most haunted doll in the world, um, people say, well, what about Annabelle? And my response to that is uh, Annabelle got the Hollywood treatment. So she might be better known than Robert. But if you look at the number of people who have been cursed by Annabelle and had issues, you can count them on one hand. Um, whereas with Robert, you'd need uh, a thousand hands to count. The, I mean, you know, it's documented. And so, so I think the number of people who, who have experienced Robert's curse is much greater. And part of that is because he's on display and more people get to see him all the time. You know, Annabelle, uh, it's, it's on rare occasions that she'll come out. Mm -hmm. Now, the other thing, there's this trend um, where everybody has a haunted doll now. Okay. And I think that comes down to several things. Um, you know, some people are doing it for attention. Um, you'll see a lot of haunted dolls for sale on eBay. Okay. Um, I don't, uh, I think a lot of people know that they can find their grandmother's doll and list it on eBay as a haunted doll and come up with a creative backstory yeah. and they can sell it for um, 10 times, 20 times, 30 times the price of a regular doll. So do I think every haunted doll out there is haunted? Absolutely not. Okay. Just because a doll looks old or creepy doesn't mean it has a spirit attachment. Yeah. But I also believe that we can create haunted dolls because I think there's a lot of spirit energy out there. And I think if you, uh, we've done tests at the fort because I, I want to know how does a doll become haunted? Mm -hmm. So I started taking dolls that were not haunted and telling stories about them. And I'd tell them that, uh, that they, they were, you know, like, here's the story. Here's what this doll does. And the dolls started doing things. They started setting off the K2 meters. They started doing a lot of crazy things. Um, so uh, I had one where I said, I said, uh, this one will step on people's feet and people started having their feet stepped on. <laughs> so, so there's some definitely interesting mm -hmm. things. Okay. So, so, I mean, yeah, stemming from that, I did buy a haunted doll on eBay. Yes. Um, just on the premise of, you know, I wanted to see, so I went through eBay, went through a load of different listings, found one with an interesting backstory that wasn't overly expensive. Mm -hmm. uh, tried, you know, I didn't want to like waste a load of money on, like you say, just someone's doll that they found in their attic and decided to upsell for a pretty penny. Um, so I bought a relatively cheap one and did a few, you know, tests with it. Got out a few different meters, used a few, a few different paranormal tools on it, and very little happened. Occasionally, I'd have like weird smells in the house. Okay. Uh, occasionally, I would hear noises, sort of around, but not. You know, nothing, nothing that I can um, definitively say is the doll. Mm -hmm. um, um, did you have things happening around your house prior to that? Not really, no. Uh, nothing before that. But then since, you know, since the doll, or once I got the doll, at first at least, it was like I'd occasionally hear footsteps uh, in distant parts, you know, not nowhere near me, but other areas of the house where I know there is no one at that point. Mm -hmm. uh, or occasionally, the one that really did freak me out at one point was late at night. I was sat here, probably about two o'clock in the morning, editing a video, uh, just working on something. I had my headphones, I didn't have my headphones on because I wasn't listening to audio at the time. Uh, so I was just working on something, focused on it, and I heard a girl's giggle behind me. Not like directly behind me, but in the distance in my room, though. And it was sort of a, that's weird. Couldn't had a look around, couldn't work out what it was. Never happened again since, but it was just that one time of, you know, very convincingly hearing a giggle that I can't attribute to anything else. Do you still have the doll? I do. I've got it on a shelf, but for the last sort of two years, nothing has really happened with it. Okay, that's good. Do you pay much attention to it? Not really, no. It very much has sort of become an ornament on the shelf. Because I think uh, the spirits around us, uh, you know, since, since we relate to dolls as looking very human, mm -hmm. I do think when we devote our energy to them, that the spirits, I think all the spirits around us want energy. You know, they just, they can't go out and just eat a sandwich like we can. Um, so they need to get their energy from us. And that comes through our emotions, through us, um, you know, our heartfelt emotions, whether that be anger or fear or love. 
And so I think when you start directing it towards a certain vessel, I think that's where the energies around us will go. Uh, and I, I think we can do the same thing. I mean, you could take a can of beer and start talking to it like it's a haunted uh, little doll. And I think that um, that the beer can would start doing different things. So. so it's almost like by, let's say, by investigating it, by putting all that energy into it, trying to get it to do things, it yeah. almost encourages the spirits around to make it do things, to, I guess, use that as their vessel. Yeah, yeah. So there's only a couple of little bits I want to, I've got left that I want to mention. Um, Robert was obviously featured back in 2016 on Zach Bagan's show, Deadly Possessions, mm-hmm. um, where I guess Zach talks about it, does a few sort of investigations around it, that sort of thing, you know, tries to interact with it. What are your thoughts on that? So uh, Robert's traveled to three places. You know, since he arrived in Key West the first time, mm-hmm. uh, he went to a paranormal. He went to a TAPS uh, conference yeah. in uh, Tampa. Uh, after that, somebody who was disrespectful to him was struck by lightning the next day. Um, Roberts traveled to Isla Mirada a couple of times. He he used to come up there uh, over Halloween when I was living there, and, and I'd do a presentation on him there. Um, the 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 one time when he was brought back, the person who was traveling with him kept him in their car overnight instead of returning him to the museum right away. Um, she lost her pet that night. Uh, and then when Robert went to see Zach, that's the only time that Robert's flown. Um, he flew first class, by the way, <laughs> in a golf bag so that he didn't freak everybody out. But uh, one of Zach's staff, you know, they called they called the guy his butler. Mm-hmm. Um, but, the, but the guy who played Zach's butler um, touched Robert and then suffered a stroke. Yeah, see, I, I saw that in the show and I wasn't 100% sure at the time whether that was like just a bit or whether that was legitimate, but it did seem very... It's legit and you can look at the guy's Twitter feed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I don't recall his name off right off the bat, but it's not too hard to find on the internet. Uh, and the guy who played Zach's butler... Um, he does have a post on Twitter a while after that about um, about his condition and being out of the hospital and uh, and so it was it was very legit. Yeah, yeah. You know, when, with a lot of these ghost shows, there are so many that that do stage things mm-hmm. and make things questionable, uh, and they have to provide entertainment. Yeah. You know, it's, that's why I, I refer to it as paranormal entertainment. Some people believe, some don't. They've got to put on good TV mm-hmm. if they're going to continue. So it's it's really a mixed thing. I, I think with a lot of shows, you take them with a grain of salt. I watch them and I say, if I can get some good history out of it. And it's almost fun to try to look and decide, you know, what's what's real yeah. and what are, they, uh, what are they doing for ratings? Mm-hmm. Be- because it is a necessary evil. You know, that, that's the thing just to, to stay on tv to a degree to get people to watch it it has to be entertaining and yeah. if you do an entire overnight investigation in the place and nothing happens from their point of view yeah it's, the, yeah, then yeah. It's, it's not going to be around for a season two and i think it's great that there is so much paranormal entertainment out there because it really mm-hmm. does get more people involved and gets more people where they go out and start doing their own investigations and i love ghost adventures because the equipment that they've introduced to people that people can now experiment with at home. Yeah. I think it's it's really taken the, all the paranormal exploration to a new mm-hmm. level. And people almost know how to operate these things by watching the shows. Yeah. I mean, like you say, it has very much sort of opened up the door for more YouTube sort of driven, so or I guess self-driven paranormal stuff like Sam and Colby and people yeah. like that where they're very much doing their own thing, but, mm-hmm. you know, using the ghost adventures, um, ghost hunters, things like that as sort of a template to an extent. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how we learn from watching other people. And, you know, it's, it's uh, so I think it's great. And, and I think, uh, I think all of the paranormal entertainment out there today is so much more enjoyable than, uh, than a lot of the other stuff being produced. Yeah. And and I think it's useful because it, it gets us questioning, you know, what happens to us when we die? Is mm-hmm. there something on the other side? And science has always been well behind. Uh, you know, we're always catching up on what's going on out there. 
And I think, uh, so I think this is great with people trying to, it's almost advancing science by having people trying to prove the existence of ghosts. Yeah. Um, and I think the final thing I've got written down here that I wouldn't want to just talk about briefly is obviously like Annabelle, um, Robert has sort of served as inspiration for a horror movie series. There is obviously the ser- the Robert the Doll sort of oh, yeah. series of horror movies. Wow. Yeah, and so so here's the interesting. Okay, so Robert's owned by the Key West Art and Historical Society, which is Key West's oldest nonprofit organization. And uh, so they, they own a trademark on his image and things like that. Um, so when those Robert movies were done, they were unauthorized. And if you look into the guy who created them, the guy who did them, um, last year he was going through a hell of a time. I haven't checked his status recently. Uh, he, he's over there. He lives in Wales. Mm-hmm. He's done a series of movies. And um, he had a disease that they couldn't diagnose. Um, he was evicted from his apartment. They couldn't afford an ambulance to take him away. He wasn't able to get out of bed. Really tragic, tragic stuff. They did a, a GoFundMe uh, type fundraiser. It, it met a fraction of what was required. I hope he's doing okay. Mm-hmm. But this is one of those things where, um, you know, disrespecting the doll. There was a huge amount of disrespect there. Um, Ozzy Osbourne did the same thing. You know, Ozzy and Jack did their their TV show where they started at the fort and Ozzy was disrespectful. Mm-hmm. And you'll find the articles out there. He blames Robert for all of his problems, um, you know, for his accidents, for his spine problems, his concussions, his head injuries. And he was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease, which is the same thing that killed Gene Otto, Robert's constant companion. Yeah. So we're we're. Um, I saw Jack in uh, in Michigan at Paracon, and mm-hmm. I asked him. I said, "I said, is your dad gonna apologize?" He said, "He said, yeah. He said that's a really good idea. So um, hopefully, we'll get an apology from from Ozzy. From Ozzy. Yeah, cool. Um, I think that brings us to the end of the questions I had. I don't know if there's anything you want to add. Uh, no, if, if people are in Key West, it's uh, if they want to see Robert the Doll, you can go to a, a, a site I created. It's called hauntedkeywest.com. And it's not just about the tours that I do. It'll have links to all the official Robert stuff, um, haunted hotels, haunted restaurants, haunted cemeteries. It's a 100% free site that's intended to let people know the best things to do in Key West that pertain to hauntings. Um, so they can go on there. They can find out about the Robert the Doll rum. There's a new Robert the Doll red rum that's out there. Um, but if, if they're in, and if anybody's uh, suffered something with Robert, it's got the address of the fort where they can send mm-hmm. their letters to. Cool. Um, obviously, I think does Robert also take fan mail? That sort of you know, not apologies, yeah. just letters and that. He loves, he loves fan mail, and we'll read the letters to him. Uh, every night. I mean, it's not like it arrives and gets tucked away. Mm-hmm. The letters become uh, artifacts of the museum. And, uh, but before each one is stored away, it's taken to Robert and we read it to him. Cool. Yeah. I'll, um, I'll put the link to the website in the description of my, of the YouTube version of this. Um, and I'll put links to obviously various social media, things like that. Um, but yeah, I think that brings us to the end. Excellent. Well, I appreciate you spending time with me talking about Robert the Doll. And once again, I'd like to give a massive thank you to David for taking time out to be a part of this interview. As I said before, I really enjoyed this interview, learning more about Robert, talking to David about some of the things Robert's known for. Let me know what you think of Robert in the comments down below, but make sure not to be disrespectful. In the description of the YouTube version of this podcast, you'll find links to various social media pages, David's book collection, as well as the website where you can get more information about Robert. But for now, that brings us to the end of this episode of the Tapas Paranormal Talking Point podcast. I've been Scott from Tapas Paranormal, and I'll see you in the next episode.